0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for that prayer this morning going up to you. Lord, have your way. Have your way in us. Father, as we humble ourselves in your presence, and we... uh, Father, we just do our best to get our flesh out of the way. And just say, Lord, have your way. way. Do what you want to do. That simple prayer, Lord, can change the world. As every believer on planet Earth makes that confession, have your way. Then you get to work through your vessels on Earth. In fullest measure, accomplishing great things for your kingdom. And Father, we thank you for that today. We give you praise, Lord, that you made us worthy to stand in your presence. You made us able to receive the call, and then you empowered us to be able to accomplish the mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Can you put your hands together to thank the worship team for their hard work this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Bruce, good to have you with us this morning. Way to uh, You know, we were doing a song, we were doing a song from more than 20 years ago, so we had to find somebody that knew the words, and uh, they they saw he had some gray up there, so they figured he'd be able to do it, and they were right, he nailed it, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Woo! come on, praise God, yeah, Betty Ann was just way too young to know the words of that song, it was, (laughs) (laughs) oh, praise God, well, praise the Lord. Well, you know, so far this year we've been talking from the Scripture about how God has equipped the church, His family, with different gifts to be able to accomplish the ministry of the kingdom in order for us to equip, edify, to encourage, to empower uh, others, and uh, and to be empowered ourselves to carry out the Great Commission. Amen? And so God has done that. And and uh, we started off, if you remember correctly, and we put it up on the screen here, we started off from uh, the book of Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians, and chapter 12, where Paul begins his discourse, and he says, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. You'll also have gifts and spirit and bold. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are a diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works in them all. And you'll notice in there the scripture says that there's gifts, right? There's gifts of the Holy Spirit, that there are gifts of the Father, and that there are gifts of Christ. All three were mentioned in that verse. It was kind of like Paul was given an introduction into what he would cover throughout the rest of his letters in both Corinthians and Romans and in Ephesians. And so far, we've looked at the first set, uh, the one that's probably the most controversial, because it's got all kinds of interesting stuff in there. Let's look at that this morning. We looked at the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. And the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, healing miracles, and then what they call the uh, words of utterance, the tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the gifts of the Father, Romans chapter 12 prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. And the difference between these two sets of gifts is primarily this. Not only are they different themselves, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the scripture makes clear in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that those gifts are given by the Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit determines. So if somebody comes up to you and says, well, my my gift is the discerning of spirits, It's not your gift. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to somebody when the need is there so that they can accomplish the ministry that they have to accomplish at that time. So those gifts are given and can be available to anybody in the body of Christ. Everybody say anybody. Anybody. As the Holy Spirit determines that they're needed. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit can come upon us and we can operate in any one of those nine gifts as the Holy Spirit sees a need in the situation to accomplish the work that God has for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Then that second list, the, the list in Romans, the difference there is that that list is a gift, a gift from the Father. And those, the Bible tells us, they're those you're born with those. Those are in your spiritual DNA. So, that you may have a gift of prophecy, and you may be serving, maybe teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, right? And we went into a, some greater detail on that last week. But these gifts, you know, if you see somebody and they're like the best in, uh, used car salesman you've ever seen, that's just a, a, an unredeemed evangelist right there. Somebody who's, who's got that anointing, but they just haven't brought it into Christ yet. And they're out there winning people to Ford or Chrysler or GM or whatever. But, you know, he has a bigger plan for them to win people to Christ. Amen. And so, you know, that's just an unredeemed gift, just not brought into the kingdom yet, but still operating in their life. They can't help but operate in it because it's hardwired into who they are. And you see that with people with gifts of ministration and gifts of serving. You know, that's why some of the best servants, you know, they don't even know Jesus. They're out there. They're helping you with your lawn. They're bringing over baked goods when you're not feeling good. I mean, all that kind of stuff. They've got a gift of serving. They may not know Jesus yet, but it's still hardwired into who they are. Amen. And so they walk in that gift and they operate in that gift and uh, they serve with that gift even though they don't know that there's there's another level that they could take it to if they met Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's why we need to introduce people to the Lord so that they can experience the fullness of what they were born with. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now we're not going to spend any more time on that set of gifts because to be honest with you, we spent like 12 weeks or something on it in 2019. So... You can go back and you can explore that set. I mean, you can go find it on, on well, not, probably not on YouTube, but on our podcast because we weren't live streaming then, so it wouldn't be on YouTube. But you can find it back in our podcast, and we're not, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do today is we're going to move on to talk about the third set of gifts, that third list. And that's the gifts of Christ. I want you to turn your Bibles, or you can read it off the screen Ephesians chapter 4 Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, everybody say instead. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, we just ask you by your Holy Spirit today to, Father, put your grace and your anointing on your scripture today and on my own life, Father, as I just bring forth a revelation of your word and your truth today. Pray that, Father, minds will be opened and that, Father, your word will come forth with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. And before I go any further... Uh, how many know Papa Ken? Yo. So Ken was diagnosed back in uh, January with uh, prostate cancer. And so he's been doing a lot of research on how to treat that, how to deal with that, and looked at all the different options that are out there. <clears throat> and uh, God has led him to uh, a clinic in Toronto that provides uh, uh, groundbreaking treatments being used in Europe and just starting to take hold here in Canada that has like a 90% success rate but it's not covered yet under OHIP or under Alberta Health where they're from. So the treatment costs what 25 grand plus there's all the travel and all that. So they've started a GoFundMe for uh, Ken so that they can uh, fulfill that treatment and get the best care possible for him and he's when already had the test he's a good candidate for the the, uh, the the treatment. And so um, they've opened up a GoFundMe. And you could go on and you could do it directly through the GoFundMe. And if you would like that, I can send you the link for it. But you could also uh, put on an envelope here or on your Realm Giving, just put Ken or, uh, you know, Ken Gill or whatever. And uh, and then you'll get a tax receipt for it. And then we'll send it all into GoFundMe. Isn't that, isn't that a cool way to do it? So you can actually get a tax receipt for helping to pay for someone's medical procedure and all the costs related to that. I think that's a pretty good deal, don't you? So we're gonna we're gonna keep mentioning this for the next number of weeks. But we just wanted to let you know that that, uh, that treatment's going ahead and Ken's going to be doing that and they just opened it two days ago they're already at nearly $5,000 in two days so the goal is to raise 35000 so if you could help out with that just that's all you got to do just put whether it's $50, $100 whatever you've got just put that on on your realm giving or whatever write that it's for Ken and uh, we'll make sure that that gets to him and, uh, and then you get you know the government gives you some money back for that isn't that pretty cool? isn't that cool? Yeah, see, I think that's pretty good. So why not, right? Amen. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the five-fold ministry gifts in Scripture. As uh, Harold Eberly would call them, the complete wineskin. We want to talk about this new wineskin that God has given to the church of Jesus Christ. And that these, these are the gifts of Christ. Because it says very plainly that Jesus, when he ascended, he carried these gifts with him and he released them to the church, Right? So these come to us right from the head, who is Christ, who's over the church, and he's given five gifts to the church that he's listed here, and Paul's listed in this passage. And he says in verse 11, it is Christ, he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Now, the first thing that I want to say about this is simply this. It's not about titles. This isn't about titles. When we're talking about these gifts, sometimes people they want to rise through the ranks of church leadership until I get my title, right? And, and then once they've got their banner, they've got their title, well, people will respect me now. If that's what it takes for people to respect you, you are not worthy of respect. If you need a title in order to feel like you're able to do something, you probably are already hindered right at of the gate because you're suffering from some kind of a self-esteem issue, not recognizing who you really are in Christ, because we don't need titles to be able to do the work that God's given us to do. Amen? Amen? Now That doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to identify somebody in one of these gifts and, and call them by that anointing. You can do that. But you know, we don't hand out business cards saying, you know, Apostle Kevin or Prophet Barry or anything like that. We don't, we don't do that because... We just get busy about doing the work of rather than worrying about the titles of, amen? And then people stumble over titles. People get hung up on titles. You know, and then there's all kinds of other titles you could try to acquire from the scripture. You could start calling yourself bishop or you can call yourself elder or you can call yourself deacon. I mean, there's, there's just all kinds, no shortage of things that you could pull out of the scripture and try to wear as a title. Now, I've talked about these gifts before. I, but the first time was in 1997, I believe. And uh, how many know that was a little bit a while ago? Yeah. Say, man, you've been here that long, Pastor? Yeah, from the beginning, 1995. So you guys do the math. Hallelujah! <laughs> it's been a while. But in 1997, I talked about these gifts, and the church was only two years old at the time, and uh, we were um, moving into this facility, I believe, in June of that year, June of 27. And so, or 97, I should say. So we moved in here in June of 97 into this. And at that time, we had just this building here. You got not know how many were here at that time. Uh, But then we had the office at the other end. And in between was rented out by other tenants. Do you guys remember that? We had next door to us on the left here was the marina. And then we had this upholstery shop. And then we had a curves exercise place for women. And we, we could sit there in the middle of the day, you know, in our office, listen to boom, boom, boom boom, boom through the wall, and as, you know, girls were in there doing their thing, you know, whittling away the pounds and all that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, that was, our, that was our plight at the time, and then we, you know, as some of those tenants moved out, we took over more and more space, and until after four years, we were in this building. Uh, in 2001, we went to the owner and worked out an arrangement to buy it. And, uh, and so God blessed us and that's a whole miracle in that story in and of itself. And, uh, and so the last tenant to leave was the marina and, uh, we, they said that they were really upset. They'd been here for 20 years and we said, we're believing you're going to have a better place. Everything's going to be way better for you than it was here. And sure enough, they're on Black Diamond Road now and their business almost doubled when they got into that location because that was the favor of God on them at that point. Amen? And besides, you know, people, you're not heading to cottage country when you're here on Highway 2, you're, but you are heading to it when you're up 37. So people drive right by it, see it, stop in there, and it was a blessing for them as well. Amen? I say all that to say that back in that time, we started talking about these giftings. These giftings are essential for the church in order to accomplish its mission. I was arguing back then for their acceptance and their recognition in a world with a lot of religious hang ups, sometimes unbiblical religious hang ups about these gifts. What I mean is, we work oftentimes in an ecclesiastical church structure that's built, for example, on one gift, maybe two instead of five, right? If you go around town today and you were to stop by any church, you'd find pastor this, pastor that, pastor, 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 pastor. You might find an evangelist on staff, you know, you might find a church that has a teacher, but you'd be hard-pressed to find them acknowledging a prophet or an apostle. And uh, it's interesting because the word pastor only appears in the Scripture once. One time. One time. Right here. That's it. Don't believe me, you can look it up. Check your little uh, concordance in the back of your Bible or whatever you want to call it. One time. One time in this passage. And we've built the entire ecclesiastical structure around a gift that's mentioned once. And that doesn't mean that it's not important. The word shepherd's used many times in the scripture. And the word pastor is, is in its connotation, its meaning is shepherd. But the point that I'm getting at is we, we build on a whole ecclesiastical structure around the mention of one gift in scripture and we ignore, for the large part, the other four. Sure, we have teachers, but they're all in colleges, Right? You know what I'm saying? And they, and that's where they do their thing. And we have an evangelist, but he's got a tent and he's out somewhere, and everybody's coming in, and, and he's the only guy that actually gets people saved and and you know watches people get healed anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? And then the other two we don't talk about, except for in, you know, hushed tones and in wild and wacky conferences and in, you know, back alley conversations. Right? Uh, that's it. <laughs> You know, we cannot afford to be led, though, by religious notions that have no scriptural support. I have, you know, people that will tell me, well, you know, about the apostles and prophets, they were just for the apostolic age. And when I ask them to show me that in scripture, some of the things that they attempt to use to show me in scripture make no sense whatsoever. There's nowhere where, you know, it says that these gifts are to come to an end. And if so, if you think that the apostles and prophets are not for today, that they were only foundational gifts, but the other three, that's kind of inconsistent because the Scripture says that Jesus gave all five for the building up of the church, for the equipping of the saints. Amen? And so no wonder we often feel ill-equipped because we don't have all five in operation, or at least we don't acknowledge. Many times we have them, we just aren't acknowledging that they're there and that they're operating. Now, as we move forward the next couple weeks, like I said, I'm not pushing for the use of titles. Sometimes I get questioned for calling, you know, Barry a prophet. But that's, that's his gift. That's what he's been called to do. He goes, well, you know, he really shouldn't use that. Well, I don't walk up and say, and now introducing the prophet, Barry Miracle. I just say, Barry Miracle. Yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah. (laughs) See, we don't call him Prophet Barry because people get uncomfortable with that, but he's a prophet in the house. And not only is he a prophet in the house, but we identified that gift and saw that gift many years ago. We started investing in that gift because we knew it wasn't just a prophet for the house. it It was a prophet and a gift for the nation and for the nations. And I tell people all the time, I said, Barry's the most relational prophet you'll ever meet. A lot of times, if you, as we start studying these gifts, you'll see what I mean, but sometimes these gifts, you know, <clears throat> get stamped with certain DNA. And you people who know what I'm talking about, but sometimes, you know, prophets, everything's black and white. It's got to be this or it's that. And I'm wrong. It's my way or the highway, blah, blah, blah. And they forget and lose sight of the fact that it's relationship first. Barry never forgets that. Never forgets that. And so we recognize that anointing and we call out that anointing and we speak to that anointing because that anointing is needed in the body of Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we just release that across the country recognizing it's needed. Titles are unimportant but the work that those gifts represent is essential for the future of the church of Jesus Christ. If you limit their operation, if you were to limit those five gifts and their operation in the church, then you stagnate our presence here on earth. 2,000 years of ecclesiastical church history have many times done what they could to try and weed them out and replace them with other types of offices and titles and things from, from scripture or from without. We have cardinals and canons and all kinds of things that the Bible never makes any mention of at all. And yet we create these ecclesiastical structures that have no application from the Scripture whatsoever. And yet here is Paul saying, I gave five gifts to the church, and we ignore directive from the Scripture that could be a profound blessing to the body of Christ. Paul says that even as Christ was busy leading the Old Testament saints to their reward in the verses preceding this, verses 7 to 10, that in resurrection and power, he was handing out new gifts. That he came up, ascended into heaven, and brought with him a new wineskin, a new toolbox, a new set of gifts that he released to the body of Christ, and they were apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. That's what it says in the Scripture. Just back up a few verses, you'll see it there. This isn't a dispensation of law that we're in under anymore where our only hope was in, you know, the, the keeping of a law which the Bible made clear that nobody could keep. But we're now in a dispensation of grace and that grace is administered and is communicated and is released through five gifts that God gave the church so that the church could be built up and equipped for every good work that they have to do. We replaced Old Testament judges and kings and priests and prophets with today's version of prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Someone say amen. Amen. And they're there to lead the church. So it's not about titles, but it sure is about leading the church. The church for what purpose? For the benefit of the body. These gifts were given for the benefit of the body. Paul says they were to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, for those who would say, well, they're not for today, then I would bring them back to the Scripture. It says, oh, well, they were given by Christ, right, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body may be built up and until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, And become fully mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, if you think we've achieved that already, then I guess we don't need those five full gifts. But how many know we still need work? There's still stuff to be done. Amen? So until that scripture is fulfilled, those five gifts are in operation in the body of Christ. They need to be released in the body. They need to be operating in the body. And they need to work until we reach complete unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the full measure of Christ. That's why these gifts were given. Now, these five are to prepare God's people. So if they're there to prepare God's people, then not all God's people are these five. I think that stands to reason. So that's why... You know, this gift, unlike the others, in the first gift set in in Corinthians, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, those are available to all believers, as the Holy Spirit determines. And then the set from Romans, you may have one or more of those gifts wired into your life and into your experience right from birth that God calls you to walk into. But not everybody is going to be called as an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. He's called some, the Scripture says, some to these gifts, some to these offices, that they may prepare God's people. Some have been given to prepare God's people. And so not all are prophets, right? But who better to equip people to operate in the prophetic than a prophet? Doesn't that make sense? If you're like, well, I just don't understand prophecy, you know, I'd like to be used by God, well then for crying out loud, go and talk to Barry and uh, spend some time sitting under his ministry, listen to his podcast, learn about what it is to walk with a prophetic anointing on your life. Learn from a a prophet. Again, not all is called as evangelists, but we're still all called to evangelize, right? So what does an evangelist job do? It is to prepare the church to do the work of evangelism. Are you hearing me this morning? It isn't the job of the evangelist to have tent crusades. Not that they can't do that. It's the job of the evangelist to equip the church to evangelize. Yes, sir. Sometimes we think the only evangelists are, you know, Reinhard Bonnke and all, you know, Billy Graham, people like that. No, 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 no. There are many evangelists. I believe that there's there's probably an evangelist or two in probably every church across the country, or at least God wants there to be. And that those giftings are there to train the body to do the work, to equip you to do the work of evangelism. If we deny the gift of the evangelist, is it any wonder why the church doesn't evangelize? And we start believing in lies. Like, you know, well, faith is a private matter. And you know what? I don't like to impose on anybody else's belief systems. want a bunch of woke nonsense the gospel is an imposition on somebody else's belief system because it's the only way truth and life there is no other way except jesus and if you say well i don't want to talk to somebody i want to impose on their belief system do you really not like them that much that you wouldn't want to see them with you in eternity that you don't love them enough to share your faith with them? Yeah. But that's why we need an evangelist to teach you how to do it without getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> right? <Or continue. laughs> yeah. You know, you want to be able to share your faith in a way that, that you leave them wanting to hear more. Right? right? And how do we do that? Well, one of the things we're learning in our house is that, you know, you, if you go out and you serve in the school, people will ask you to, to you know, come and help them with more. If you're faithful with a little, and that what the scripture says? Right. Then I'll give you much. Right. And so as we find ways to intersect with someone's life, and you, here's the easiest way to evangelize. Find where someone has a need and fill it. not that crazy? Just crazy out there. But if you identify a need in their life and you step in and you help fill that need, that is the first step of evangelism 101, you have just achieved the first, first level. And then as you meet that need, guess what happens? They, they see you helping with the need and nobody else helping with the need and they want to know what makes you tick rather than somebody else. And you've opened up the door to share Jesus just like that. Are you hearing me this morning? Same thing with every all th- uh, five of those gifts. Now, Mark here, everybody calls him Pastor Mark, or at least they used to when he was youth pastor. I don't know if you get called that anymore. Is it just hey you? Is that what you get now? <laughs> but you know, Mark is is very likely either an evangelist or an apostle. My money would probably be an apostle, because he's birthed this thing basically out from nothing. That the apostolic gift isn't someone who has to be first, but it's somebody who's willing to go first. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. And so as he steps into that anointing, God brings people around him. And like the point on an arrow, he's able to go out and people are able to come, come in and follow in that wake and accomplish the things and the giftings that God's given them. And sometimes, you know, when you've got that anointing on your life, sometimes people are so used to trying to contain us rather than release us that it can get very frustrating. And you can feel like, oh, I just, can you not see what I see? But when people do get a hold of what the apostle sees, they're able to come around it, great things can happen. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. We'll talk more about the gifts individually in the weeks to come, but I'm running out of time here this morning. All this equipping is so that the body can be built up, the Bible says, until we all reach unity in the faith, unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attain the full measure of the fullness of Christ. To conclude this morning, I want to go on to the last part of this scripture. Verse 14 to 16, where Paul says, then, everybody say, "then." then. So when these gifts are released... And operating in full measure in the church of Jesus Christ, then, everybody say then again? Then, then we will no longer be infants, wow. yeah. tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So when these gifts are operating in the church, right, then we'll no longer be infants. I look at the church of Jesus Christ, and there's so many people in the church that stay infants their whole life. Their whole journey in Christianity, they stay infants. You know, Paul talked about this in Scripture. He said, and it was like one of these mild rebukes he gives in Scripture, but he says, though now, though by now, Paul says, you should be eating the meat, basically. He said, you're still on milk. Right? Now, he's saying this in the first century. Paul had an expectation of a church that couldn't have been any more than just five years old, ten years old tops, depending on when he wrote the letter. But he he was already saying, you guys... You shouldn't be on, on milk still. You should, be, you should be moving on to the meat and potatoes. He said, You shouldn't be sitting there lamenting. And he goes on to set, talk about things like resurrection and stuff like that. You should be dealing with the deeper stuff. And I'm thinking, most people are going, uh, 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 I don't even understand the resurrection myself. Are you getting what Paul's saying? He, he's saying that there's an expectation that we should be maturing in him, that we should no longer be infants. And how Paul describes infants as somebody who's tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching and doctrine, being deceived by people. How many Christians do you see that after 20 years in the church they're still deceived and led away by some kind of a cult of, you know, some or led away into, you know, uh, living abandoning the faith entirely? Why they they never matured, they never grew up. And Paul says it ought not to be like that. We shouldn't be infants. If the church is healthy, then the saints are being equipped. Last fall, we did a course in here that was pretty intense, and people came in here and learned some pretty deep application of biblical truth to our culture and our world and where we're at today. And we need to be doing that. We need to be equipping ourselves so that we know how to give an answer for the gospel of Christ in our world today, which seems so focused on going in completely the opposite direction. And when people sometimes stand up and and try to articulate or communicate an opposing view, they get, I know you get hackled and, and shut down and all the rest of it. But at the same time, many times those arguments that people, as the church brings against some of the ideology that's out there today is so weak, and yet it doesn't need to be. The scripture is so full and so strong that you can be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. You can be somebody who comes in and cracks open that topic and brings revelation and truth. And people go, wow, I never looked at it that way before. Paul says, so we'll no longer be infants. Then we will grow up. Paul makes it clear. It's it's the desire of Christ that we be equipped so that we grow up. When I hear of churches splitting over silly things like style of music or, you know, color of the carpet or all kinds of other stuff. I'm like, I say to myself, really? After how many years of that church and operation in the city and and you're dividing over stuff like that, how incredibly immature? God's word is grow up church. I got a a real newsflash for you. Not everything in the church is going to happen the way you like it. I'm just saying, I'm just preparing you for that now. The reality is that there will be things happen and there'll be things that you don't like. Yeah. How do I know that? Because not everybody has the same likes and dislikes. That's why I, I subscribe to Sirius M, SM radio and there has to be like, I don't know how many channels on there, over 100. Because guess what? Not everybody wants to listen to the same thing. Wow, really? Really? Is that true, Pastor? Yes, it's true. And it's true in the body of Christ too. We're different. We're different. But this I know. That if we don't continue to engage culture and a culture that's always morphing and changing, if we don't reach down and, and out to younger generations as they come along behind us, then it won't be very long before you're closing your doors. And, you know, I, when I, I, I worship as heartily as anybody else, it doesn't matter what they sing. But the reality is, is that there's, there's many songs that, I, that, you know, I'm trying to constantly learn and stay on top of it because the reality is, is that it, it isn't for me. We're not doing it for me. We're, we're aiming, I'm 60 for crying out loud. We better be aiming for something younger than that. Are you hearing me? And if you're not aiming for something younger than that, then what are you doing? Just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come? I hope not. If you're 60 or older, maybe even 50 year older, maybe even 40 year older, you should learn this phrase. It's not about me. Just say it. Wow, there's such liberty in that. It's not about me, really, Pastor? Yes, it's not about me. Who's it about? It's about constantly asking ourselves, how can we bring the gospel, and make it relevant to another generation? Because it's not about me. It's not. If this worship set was all about me, every song would have been from the same generation as the last one, you know? We'd have moved in from, from that song, and then we'd have said, you know, um, I don't know. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Oh. <laughs> for thou, O Lord, art high. Come on. We'd have been right down that alley. We'd have sat there and been singing Kumbaya by the end of it. You know what I mean? Would have been right there. But I learned a long time ago it wasn't about me. And it's not just about delirious anymore, Mike, too. You're just a little behind there. You got to move on. I look at the set list and I see those delirious songs. I said, Mike must be leading today. That's where we're at, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Church, we just, the maturity is being able to see that it's not about me. Can I say that again? Maturity is the ability to see that it's not about me. Amen. And finally, Paul says, then he says, each part will do its work. So when the five gifts are equipping the church, we'll no longer be infants, we'll have grown up and each member, each person will be doing their part. If the church is being equipped by apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, then that means that those giftings are calling out all of the stuff that's in the body of Christ so that nobody's on the bench. Unlike a a sports team where you got half the team on the bench and there's only five guys or 12 guys or however sport you're playing, they're, you know, half just dying out there on the field. And, And, you know, every once in a while, you bring one in in relief. No, Everybody in the church is supposed to be active doing something for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Now here's the beautiful thing. Most of that activity doesn't happen here. Most of it happens out there. Most of it is the church engaging the culture in the seven different mountains of culture and ministering in those areas every single day. We'll talk more about that as we go ahead in the weeks. We were created with purpose and destiny. And God has given these quips to call that purpose and destiny out in your life. When you come to church, it's our our job to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. (laughs) You didn't hear that right, Barry? Yeah, it's our job to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. In other words, it's our job to take care of those who come in or are hurt and wounded and needing of care, and it's our job to light a fire under the butt of everybody else. Yes. Are you hearing me this morning? Because <clears throat> God didn't call you to just sit there and be a big sponge. We don't learn the Scripture and go to church so we can become smarter sinners. We listen to the Scripture and we, we dive into the Word so that we can be empowered to do the work of the kingdom of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. You might be saying to yourself, but, but, but why me, Pastor? Why not you? Why not? Right? Why not you? You might be saying, well, I can't. And my question would be, why not? What can't you do? Yeah. Right? What can't you do? It's impossible. Well, my Bible says nothing's impossible with God. Amen? I don't have the talent. Okay, maybe you don't. But do you have the faith? Yeah. Because the Bible doesn't say that he honors talent. It says that he honors faith. Are you hearing me this morning? It doesn't say without talent, it's impossible to please him. For he is, you know, the rewarder of those who diligently display their talent. No, it says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Are you hearing me this morning? Let me put this out here. One last little quote for you. In the end, it isn't the talented people that make the difference. It's the ones who believe that there's a difference to be made. If you read the Scripture, then you've got to be convinced there's a difference to be made. If you look at our world today and you see something that doesn't reflect the Scripture, then you've got to be convinced there's a difference to be made. And if you believe there's a difference to be made, then you're the person that's going to make the difference. And it isn't about talent, and it isn't about money, and it isn't about ability. It's about a, a faith to believe that I can literally shake the world if I'll say yes to Jesus and get myself equipped and trained up to be able to do it. And that's what we're here for. Amen? Praise the Lord. Stand with me this morning. Fresh out of time. Look at that. 11.35. You know, you all you know you saying, time flies when you're having fun i got to tell you, time never goes faster than when you're behind the pulpit. Now, for some of you who don't like public speaking, you go, no, 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 Pastor, that is completely not true. That is when time moves so slow. But I can tell you, as somebody who's, uh, you know, had that that calling and that privilege for many years, time never moves quicker than when you're standing here. Isn't that right, Barry? I mean, it just goes like that, and it flies by. And so, we find ourselves, I'm so glad. We had this time together just to have a laugh and sing a song. Some, now some of the younger ones are all going, what is he doing now? That's that whole generational thing I was talking about. Carol Burnett show right there. And if you don't know what that is, you, I can't help you with that. <clears throat> but anyway, see, you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> That was, that was cutting-edge comedy when I was in high school, let me tell you, right there. Yeah, genius. But that's my point. The fact that I could stand up there and, you know, probably half the church doesn't know what I'm talking about shows you that the church is always moving forward. And it's a good thing, because if everybody in the church knew what I was singing about, then we've already missed a whole generation, or two, or three. Amen? The fact that only ten people knew what I was singing, that's good. That's a really good thing. Praise the Lord. Tammy knew. (laughs) Barry, you're too young, but Tammy knew, right? I'm saying. Everybody, put your hands out like this. Father, I just receive. Say this after me. Father, I receive the gift of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist in my life. What they bring. What they bring, I, will I will receive. What they give, what they give I, will take. I will take. I will be trained. I will be equipped so that I become mature attaining the fullness of the measure of Christ. The of the measure of Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday and I believe next Sunday Barry Miracle, the prophet Barry Miracle will bring in the word next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs>